What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Welcome to an emergency edition of Kenzano and Wilner, the podcast. Everyone, I am John Wilner here with my buddy, John Kenzano, and we are talking about Colorado, talking about the Pac-12, but let's first... Let's start by talking about something more important. Tell tell everyone what you've been doing this week. <laughs> um, leave it to you to give us perspective and context. Uh, yeah, so I try. Um, Ten years ago, we started uh, a summer camp, and my brother is an adaptive PE specialist, and he works with a team in California, and you know does a lot of important stuff that that uh, I really admire. And so, ten years ago, our nonprofit. Uh, the Bald Face Truth Foundation, the BFT Foundation, um, started a uh, summer camp. And uh, we have my brother and his team. They all drive up from California to Oregon. We put on a week-long summer camp for typical kids and some kids with challenges. And it's a sports camp, but it's really a relationship camp. And we get athletes from Portland State football players, basketball players, University of Portland basketball players, community college athletes, high school athletes, a lot of uh, a lot of athletes and young people with big hearts who come out and volunteer their time, and we run a summer camp, and it's just been um, one of the best things that we do. And and you know, I do a lot of stuff that doesn't matter, right? You know, write about sports, talk about sports, and and. Uh, you know, just being out there. To, I take a week of vacation, not on radio this week, and we just uh, we put this camp on, and my family participates in facilitating it. My mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters all come, and a whole bunch of people in the community come together, and it's really awesome. It's it's the tenth year we've done it, and uh, by the end of the week, the football players are all crying. They've got tears in their eyes, and got a bunch of young people who are better for the camp. So, thank you for asking that. It's a fun, how, how do the yeah. how do the kids with without challenges are they enmeshed with the kids with challenges? Yeah. How does that work? So that we 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 put them in teams and they're like families. So all week long they have the same team or the same family, and the teams will consist of kids from age five to fifteen, and you know you will have generally in a team of about eight kids you might have um, you know two or three kids who are typical. You might have, you know, kids with various um, challenges, either physical, intellectual disabilities and challenges that are side by side. And so they really learn all week long that we all have strengths and differences and that we, you know, it's important to work together and, you know, find out what your strengths are and work together as a team. And, you know, it's it's just really cool to see some of the kids and some of the stories we hear afterwards are kids that after the camp will go off into school and they went into each other at an elementary school or a junior high school. And the other thing that's awesome, Wilner, is it's year 10 of the camp. We've got kids who started in the camp at like age six or seven, attended it every year, and now they're camp counselors. And wow, they come back and they volunteer. And it's just really, it's, it's really cool. I get tears in my eyes. Um, a lot of big moments and, uh, the athletes are phenomenal. They'll come up to me afterwards and they'll be like, thank you for inviting us out here. And we're like, we can't do this thing without you. So it's neat to see that. But in the midst of it, my phone of course is blowing up and you know, uh, 
we're uh, dealing with an existential crisis in the Pac-12 conference. And so some perspective, maybe, right in front of me, and maybe we all have that in our own lives. So let's let's dig into the meat of what we're doing. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. Get a uh, paid subscription or a free subscription. I always say what works for me works for you. That's where you can read me exclusively. I'm here with John Wilner, Bay Area News Group superstar. You can read him at pac12hotline.com. Wilner, uh, let's start with Colorado. The defection of Colorado to the Big 12 Conference, your reaction. What caused it and what was your reaction? I mean, we could do a book on what caused it because we probably have to go back to about 2011, <laughs> you know, and uh, certainly uh, there are scars from uh, with Colorado's athletic administration. I think there's probably some scars from the Larry Scott era, but there's also scars with a lot of schools, right? Uh you know, I think Colorado is just a, a little bit unique in that their athletic DNA is Big 12, right? They spent 60, it's either 62, 63 years in the Big 12. They won a national championship in the Big 12. Uh, and so, you know, we, we all know Big 12 has been pursuing multiple Pac-12 schools and Colorado has seemed like the one that was most receptive. This has been going on to vary, at varying levels for many, many months, right? Uh, nobody, I think, was surprised that that it got serious. Uh, to me, I was a little surprised that uh, they took the the offer without seeing the Pac-12's final deal. But obviously, there's some frustration there. Uh, certainly, there's a vote of no confidence in the Pac-12's uh, leadership. I would say uh, on Colorado's behalf, and uh, you know, uh, so here here we are. What did you think? Uh, and were you in the were you in the middle of camp when you when you heard about this? It, I I was, but I wasn't because the rumblings for it started in the morning, and, and then I started reaching out to Pac-12 sources who who started to say, "Hey, look, um, Colorado's you know regents are meeting, and there seemed to be a shift in the Pac-12 world where where I think the Pac-12 presidents knew that there was a solid chance that Colorado was defecting and. And th- keep in mind, five days earlier, George Klyovkov gets on stage at Pac-12 Media Day. He says that, you know, he's confident the 10 schools are together. That's the message that I have received over and over from within the Pac-12 CEO group. And in fact, I had one of the ADs of, of the Four Corners schools tell me that just a week ago, they were you know, on a call and got a vote of confidence from Colorado that, hey, we're, we're in this. We're waiting to see numbers like everybody else. So it tells me that you know, either either Colorado had a final straw moment, like Philip DiStefano, the the chancellor, had come forth and asked George Klyovkov to see some numbers on the Thursday before Pac-12 Media Day, and there seemed to be a little bit of uh, pushback from the other members of the CEO group. Like, you know, basically saw that as a uh, Colorado flexing a little bit. So I don't know if that turned Colorado off or, but it, you know, from what we know, these things don't happen overnight. They don't happen in 24 to 48 to 72 hours. They are a slow burn. Even the UCLA-USC defection, you know, there were some starts and stops to that one as as we look back and talk to people involved in it. And so I keep going back, Wilner. It doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me in, in some ways. I, I think Colorado in some ways was maybe just going back to what it knew and what it used to know. And maybe they're listening to Coach Prime who wants to be in Florida and in Texas recruiting and playing games. Maybe it's as simple as that. Because if I'm Colorado and I've waited to this point, 
I, I'm going to want to see numbers from the Pac-12 before going any further. It wasn't like the Big 12 was telling them, hey, this is the window's closing on you. Make the jump now. It, there's, there's just something weird about it. And and maybe, maybe Colorado's thinking two steps down the road. Maybe it's a chess match for them. And they're going, hey, we're not worried about this deal. We're worried about two deals from now. Because now the Pac-12 is turned into the Pac-9. George Klyovkov's lost 25% of the conference that he inherited from Larry Scott. And you have um, some real questions facing the conference. I got a couple numbers. You ready? Yeah, go. Since since July 22nd, Pac-12. Four statements of unity. One team lost. No new members. No media deal. That's a that's that's a bad that's those scales are tipping in the wrong wrong direction, right? And they just they issued another statement tonight in a meeting. Presidents and ads issued a statement. You know we're together. Colorado situation is going to disrupt our pursuit of staying together. We're going to pursue expansion immediately after a media deal. So another statement. First one since February. So they did one right the day the day of UCLA USC. They did one. Then they did one. I think it was July 5th announcing that they had approved uh, opening their media negotiations. Then I think they went till February and put one out. And now here we go. So 13 months, four statements, no deals. What do you think? I think that the they inherited or walked into a really complicated media landscape. And we've seen with the layoffs, we've seen the normalization of streaming. I think there were some moving parts. I also think the Big 12 had been through this with Texas and Oklahoma leaving and and might have been a little more savvy, a little more aggressive. Had Brett Yormark, who was out front and had a little more moxie to him as as these decisions were being made. And so it clearly the personality of the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors is on display in those in those statements. And it's it's word salad four times to me. Like I at some point I have to see some action. You have to back that up. And, and to this point, I get that they want to sell unity. I get that, you know, I have to report if somebody's telling me we're unified, we're galvanized, we're moving forward together. I have to report that. Like, I'm not going to go, well, wait a minute, they're saying that, but I shouldn't report that. No, I'm just going to tell people what I am hearing and what I know. But I still think that internally, the sentiment at the remaining nine members is a preference to stay together. But George Kriovkov has got to do something to instill confidence in whether it is getting a media deal done or getting rapid expansion lined up. They have to make a move here. Like like they're on the clock. Yeah. Probably like in the next week or two, I think they got to get something done. Um, you know, I couldn't imagine. And, and I had heard, uh, you know, that they, mm, Everybody expected a deal would be done before the season that they couldn't imagine. And this is athletic directors couldn't imagine a situation when they went in which they went into the football season and there was still no deal. So, you know, the football season is now like what, five weeks away. So uh, I would, my guess is we got two or three weeks and this thing's got to get wrapped up. And if it doesn't, then, then I think you're going to see, real panic. I don't think there's panic in the streets yet, but I do think there are people gathering on the sidewalks uh, and in the alleys, and they are preparing to panic in the street if he doesn't produce uh, a deal in the next few weeks and, and you know, execute on expansion. There, there's no 
There's no doubt in my mind about that. That he's got a chance to salvage this thing, but he's got to he's got to execute. And and so far they haven't. Doesn't mean they won't. You know, he could still end up with the last laugh here, right? And they could end up with a really good deal uh, or a deal that is much better than most people expect. And the nine schools sign sign on the bottom line, and they move on. Uh, but there's you know there's also uh, incrementally increasing chance that they're gonna lose another school, right? I, I am assuming that the Big 12 is uh, pitching Arizona uh, tomorrow if it already hasn't pitched Arizona uh, today or this evening. Uh, and they're going to give the same pitch they did to Colorado, which is, you know, we've got some security. We've got decent money. Uh, it's not Big 10 or SEC money, but it's decent money. We've got solid exposure on the networks. And, you know, we've got three time zones covered. And here, here's an option for you. I don't know that Arizona is in the same position and has the same mentality as Colorado. And I would be pretty surprised if Arizona President Robert Robbins agreed to leave without seeing the Pac-12 deal because he has been more steadfast publicly than any other president in the conference about show me a deal and then I'll make a decision. And he has said it repeatedly he wants to see a deal before he makes a decision. And I'm I'm going to believe him that he's going to stick to his word on that. And so once they see a deal, they'll they'll decide which conference they want to be in. Yeah, I did a you know, I when the news initially broke that Colorado's region said met and they had been extended the invitation. I did. I mean, I obviously my part of my job is checking in with presidents and chancellors who are in that room. And I took the temperature immediately and. I got back that, you know, it, there wasn't shock, but there was a little bit of, there was some head shaking. There was some disappointment. The timing's not ideal because I do think the bulk of the members who were in the room believed that they were moving towards a deal and that a deal was within arm's reach. Like they, they had that feel about them. And I know we, the goalposts were moved and moved and moved, but I don't think George Kliavkov gets on that stage at media day and says what he says if he didn't think he was close I also think he woefully underestimated Colorado, you know, obviously, because they were within days of leaving the conference. And so I'm left looking at that and trying to make sense of it. But I, I, I agree with you. Like, let's look at the glue of this conference. Oregon and Washington, I don't think that they're motivated to leave this conference. They have nowhere to go. They covet access to the playoff. I think people grasp that. And, you know, people know that Phil Knight's the great equalizer. Oregon probably have its druthers. It would have a smaller conference. Less competition, clearer path to the playoff, uh, plain and simple. So you have Oregon and Washington on board, which means you have Washington State and Oregon State on board. The Bay Area schools, I think, will stay put if this conference stays together. So really it comes down to, you know, the two Arizona schools, I think, and Utah, right? You look at the four corner schools that are left. Utah appears to be on as on board as anybody. Michael Crow at Arizona State, I think, is, you know, for all the criticism of his support of Larry Scott, I think he is true and true Pac-12, uh, as Pac-12 as they get in that room. And I think you're right on Robert Robbins. I think he has said he wants to see numbers, and he doesn't have a coach prime in his football locker room creating some additional pressure. He doesn't have, oh, you were in the Big 12 conference creating some additional pressure. So I do think there will be a little bit of a pause here, and maybe that's why they gave us word salad in the statement. But I sure wanted something more like, you know, Here's our move. We are on the clock. We, you know, punch back. 
for crying out loud. The messaging was just weak, 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 and I thought it didn't help the narrative. Well, and it's been weak for, you know, 13 months. I mean, you can't, the, the messaging the first month or two was, you, you know, th there's only so much you can do, but certainly there have been, there have been some times where they have, have chosen to remain quiet, uh, and I'm not sure it served them well. The same rules uh, of realignment that have always applied are, are, are valid here, right? Time equals risk. Situations are always fluid. Presidents don't tell the truth in the rooms. All those things, uh, other presidents hear what they want to hear, right? All those, and commissioners too. All those things are always true about realignment, and which is why, you know, and I've been saying this for I don't know how many months, but until they sign on the bottom line, you can't, you know, there's no guarantees in this. And the longer things take, the, the more likely that uh, un the unexpected is going to kind of derail your plans. So, all right, let's say, what do you think they should do? What What is your blueprint for them moving forward here? Well, look, I think they need San Diego State in the fold, first and foremost. That's, you know, when I heard, when I saw and got that quote from somebody on the CEO group that said, you know, they were talking about, quote unquote, trading up. That's what they want to do, right? It was a slap at Colorado. They want to trade up. San Diego State, is the kind of trade that I think a lot of people, not in the Big 12 footprint, but I think in the in the Pacific time zone, a lot of people would look at getting San Diego State, that destination, back into Southern California, uh, a program that went to the national championship game in basketball, Snapdragon Stadium, all of that, getting San Diego State in the fold and having them locked in as team number 10 or 11 or 12 is important. I also think, you know, for the stability of this conference, the Pac-12's got to think about getting bigger than 10. I think you have to look at SMU. I think you have to look aggressive. And I, in a lot of ways, I think SMU could be number 10, step in front of San Diego State because of the big buyout in the Mountain West. So I think SMU, San Diego State, 1-2. Now, I did make some calls and ask. I tried to get to the bottom of who else would they be looking at. I got stonewalled. Like, almost like there was a collective agreement to not talk about Whoever else was was vetted. Now, remember, we know San Diego State and SMU were vetted and they were explored and approved as expansion schools. Who else is out there, Wilner? Because I, I almost feel like there's somebody else out there that they're intentionally not talking about. Is it something more aggressive? Are they looking to take a school from some other conference and instead of, you know, looking like they're settling? Well, I mean, you know, they're not going to take another power five. So... I guess it could be Colorado State, right? If they want to stay, can maintain a presence in the Denver market. But I don't know why they would, to be honest, because the Denver market, they can get equal, you know, comparable or better uh, market size other places. And Denver doesn't do much for your football recruiting, right? Uh, I think to me, this, the events of the last 48 hours, SMU has got to be number one, the clear number one, it, I think. Uh, for a bunch of reasons. One is the buyout situation, right? Because you've got to get a 10th team in for the 2024 football season. SMU's path is much more clear than San Diego State's, you know, in terms of the comp various conference buyouts. SMU also has the wherewithal to to deal with their donors to deal with a, a big buyout. Uh, but I just think Pac-12, that's a way to punch back. You go back in there and you, you take a team 
uh, a school that's in Dallas. You get a bigger media market than you've got in Denver. You get a much richer recruiting ground than you've got in Denver. You're planting a flag in Texas. Uh, you're expanding your reach, not only for your media partners with Central Time Zone kickoffs, but you're expanding your reach uh, of exposure for your schools, for enrollment opportunities for students. You know, if Pac-12 goes into Texas, it will also have three time zones covered. Uh, you know, that would have Central Mountain and Pacific time zones covered. So uh, I just think to me, this has turned the tables a little bit on expansion and SMU should be uh, a number one for them. Uh, I also wonder, and you know, I don't have any, any, anything to back this up, but I do wonder a little bit about Gonzaga, right? Uh, just they're right there. And if you need a win, uh, and if you want to improve your basketball uh, lineup immediately, Gonzaga's there. And if you're splitting money 10 or 11 ways and you can, you know, uh, bring new schools in with unequal shares, then Gonzaga may not be a drag on your overall revenue like it would be coming in as the 11th uh, or as a tw the 12th team, for instance. I think you have to know you're in a uh, you know you're in a uh, you're in a fight here. You're in a fight for survival, and you've got presidents and chancellors who have also thought about academics and culture and all of that high horse stuff that landed the Pac-12 in the position it's in now. So I'll go further. I think you're right. I think SMU is. I, I actually put SMU at the front of the line right now, just because of the thirty-four million dollar Mountain West Conference buyout. You can get SMU now, and I think the boosters at SMU help you get that done. You get back to 10. You calm the waters. Now, you then you th start thinking about adding San Diego State. I'll go beyond that, though. What about UNLV? What about taking a Las Vegas school that, you know, is located in a emerging sports, you know, capital of the United States and, you know, planting a flag in Vegas saying that, you know, we're not just getting back to 10. We're talking about getting back to 12 and you use UNLV to help get you there. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but here's a counterpoint. If you're going to take Vegas, why wouldn't you take rice? Take them both. Take them both. Take, take I mean, rice, Vegas is UNLV. rice is not rice is not a very competitive football program at all, but neither is UNLV and rice is bringing you Houston and rice has got an, you know, an a plus plus academic profile. Uh, and Rice gives you a travel partner for SMU. I, I don't know. They could be going after uh, thinking about UNLV too, or or none of those those schools. Not UNLV, not Rice, not Gonzaga, and they're just looking at SMU and San Diego State. But they they need to be thinking bold, right? They have to be. It's it's a fight for survival, and that's why I don't like the messaging that we saw that came out of the you know Thursday evening meeting it was too collegial cordial too many words too many syllables you know it, it they they need to start punching back here at some point and and i think it's been part of their larger messaging problem and i talked with george klyovkov about that on pac 12 media day and i just i just don't agree with the messaging that the conference has had all along it's been too passive it's been too cordial it's been um you know very academic and it's and time to roll the sleeves up. What was his and, response? You know, they got a bloody lip. They got a black eye. They, you know, have been knocked down twice by UCLA and USC. Time to, time to punch back.
what was his when you asked him what did he say we disagree we fundamentally disagree and 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 that's okay he is of the mindset that you don't talk about something until you have something to talk about and that you don't waste your energy and your time refuting every rumor and disinformation that you know element that's out in the marketplace and i'm of the viewpoint that you can have respect for the negotiating process and do smart things behind the scenes and work with a scalpel back there but every once in a while you got to bring the sledgehammer out front and you got to swing it around and punch back the ends will justify the means if he gets a deal then you know he's i don't know that he'll get the last laugh but he'll get the last smile if he doesn't get a the deal there's going to be a lot of holes to poke in the strategy that we've seen on a whole bunch of levels too, right? I mean, not just- Do you just... think they've made PR mistakes? Do you think they've mishandled this or, you know, what do you make of that? I get what he's doing. His his priorities are serving his negotiating partners and his presidents. And neither of those groups want leaks. N neither of them want- uh, their business out in public. But I also think there have been some times over the last, yeah, let's go back to probably October-ish. There have been some times where they needed to uh, be more aggressive. And you can do that. There's ways to do that without, you know, necessarily providing all the, all the laundry out in front, right? Uh, you can leak stuff, uh, you could talk. You could talk on the record. If he doesn't have something to say, that's one thing. But some of the things that have been out there that I thought they should have responded to, uh, you know, they could have done it without basically providing too much detail yeah, on it, their negotiations. And when when I said to him, you know, I think you have been too quiet. I think you've misplayed the media. You know, element of this, the crisis management. You know, he did say that if he gets a deal. Nobody's going to care what was said. He's and, totally right. And if he gets a win at the end, nobody cares. And if he, you know, that was sort of the scent, the tenor was, you know, I'm not going to waste my time getting in this tit for tat with everybody who's attacking the Pac-12 conference. You know, I'm focused on, you know, winning the fight, not winning the rounds. And, you know, may, yeah, he's right. But I just think the damage to the brand is in part led them down this path where they are hobbling now and people are wondering if they're going to survive. And, you know, your friends and my friends and everybody out there on social media are going, you know, I don't know how many people have asked you, Wilner, what's going to happen? Like not people in the sports world, but like your neighbors, your friends, you know, people that, you know, how many people have turned to you and said, Hey, is the PAC 12 done? Like, you know, that's happening. Yeah. It just happened to me this evening when I was at my son's baseball practice. In fact, uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, he'll, we'll see about the whether it works or not at the, at the end. The bottom line is he gets a deal. Uh, the nine schools sign. Everybody moves on, right? And, and that's kind of always been the case. And now it's, it's nine instead of ten, but the, the same premise holds. Uh, but certainly. Uh, if not, there's going to be a lot of a lot of room for criticism. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. I'm here with John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com. We've got a 
emergency edition of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast. All right. Uh, before we end this, let's parting thoughts here, uh, Wilner. Give me an idea. You know, don't give me the end result, but what is the move that the Pac-12 needs to make today? The next move. Wake up. Colorado's gone, going, going, gone. What's the move? Well, I mean, if it were me, it would be to expand because I think you can get you can get SMU or San Diego State for 2025, SMU for 2024. You get them to say yes in the morning, right before lunch, especially with SMU. And I just think they need a quit. They need a win. They need a big win quickly. And if the media deal is going to take a few more weeks, uh, I'm you know their statement tonight said that they were going to pursue expansion immediately after signing the media rights deal. And I don't know the machinations with their partners and the structures of the deals and whether it is essential that they do that first and then expand. But if there, to me, if there's any way you can expand uh, tomorrow, I would do it. I think they need to make a statement that they're in this thing and they're, and they, uh, they got a plan rather than going radio silent here for the next three weeks while the big 12, you know, saddles up to, to Arizona and, maybe ASU and Utah and sees what, what can happen. Yeah. And I, I think you're right with sort of the, you know, we've, we've talked all along about the order of operations, but if it's not expansion being announced, it has to be SMU being extended an invitation. There needs to be a move. There needs to be some action. There needs to be thing that looks proactive, that looks, you know, they need to go on offense at some point here. They've been on defense and they've been catching punches for too long. And all of that backroom uh, solidarity is great, but they need they need something out front and they need it fast. And and part of it is, you know, they'll they'll say they don't want to play the media game. It's not a media game. It's their brand that is that is under fire. It's the colders and the nine remaining Pac-12 markets that they that need to see some action. That's what I think. Yep. Interestingly, you know, Colorado leaves, they waited basically 13 months and and left. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. But I've heard from a couple of, of folks, uh, people I've known in the in the sports media industry for a long time, and they have no dog in the fight. They're not affiliated with the Pac-12. They're not affiliated with the Big 12. And they're telling me that there's a good deal out there for the Pac-12, one that will be at least as uh, – valuable as the big 12s uh for broadcast rights and would have you know solid uh distribution on the on the various networks uh there's a deal out there and, and these these folks you know don't they don't care how it ends but they're just talking about what the what the landscape looks like and so we'll see if he can get that deal done before anybody else decides that they've had enough. I, I'm obviously and have been obviously bullish on the Pac-12 all along last year. And and I, I agree with you. I still think there's a deal there for them and there's a path out of this. But it needs to start with a step, like take a step forward, take a solid step in the right direction. And, and if the narrative ends up being that, look, Colorado felt disrespected by the Pac-12. Colorado felt like it never belonged. Colorado, you know, going all in on Coach Prime and he wants to be in Texas and in Florida and that's where you know he thinks he has an easier path to winning big in the Big 12 than he does the Pac-12. If that's the narrative, then that's fine, but you know that's not the story that's being told now. And so the Pac-12 needs to do something to change that story. I am John Wilner. 
Bay Area News Group, Pac-12Hotline.com. He is the great John Canzano at johncanzano.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening on this emergency episode. Thanks, John, for uh, for what you're doing with for those kids this this week at, the, at your camp, the BFT camp. That's a fantastic deal. I, I keep telling myself that's the stuff that matters, right? Like I do a lot of things that don't matter, but we all do things that matter, and uh, we all maybe we should, we should put more time into that stuff than belly aching and wringing our hands over what's going to happen with the Pac-12 conference until they get it together. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you leave us feedback, and uh, really appreciate everybody listening to this. Thanks very much.